You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. You know, half of your trouble in life is going to come from things that you should not be afraid of, but you are. Somebody told me once, Johnny, you have an issue. 95% of your problems never happen. That's so true. We fear what we should not fear. We're always thinking worst case scenario. What if, what if, what if, what if. There is a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. The other half of your trouble will come from things that you should be afraid of, but you're not. Let me say that again. Half of your trouble is going to come from things that you fear that you should not fear. The other half is going to come from things that you do not fear that you should Sometimes, if it wasn't unbiblical and socially unacceptable, there are times I want to go up to some of you and grab you and shake you and look you in the eye and say, why, why are you acting so afraid of that? There's other times I want to go up and grab you and shake you and saying, why are you not afraid of what you're doing and what is happening? I had somebody ask me, I can't remember exactly what it is, but they gave me a scenario and they said, should I be afraid? And I'm not preaching from 2 Timothy where it says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. That's a completely different thought process. They gave me a scenario and it was a spiritual scenario and they said, should I be afraid? And my answer was, it depends really depends. It's a difficult question to answer right here. And it got me thinking of how I could better answer. The person isn't in this room today. I wish they were. But you know how it is. When one student has a question, it usually means somebody else does. I want to answer the question that you might have in your mind, whatever you're thinking of. And I'll try to apply it the best I can, but should I be afraid of that? Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Let's stand once we found it. It's wonderful to have the college kids here. Miss Lena, Miss Miss Desi, Miss Belia. Rashawn's going to be leaving pretty soon, going back up. How long do we have you guys? Just, just a little bit? Leaving tomorrow. Leaving tomorrow. We will miss you so very much. Will we see you at Christmas? Good. Good. Wonderful. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says, And the same day when the even was come, he, Jesus, saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, 
They took him even as he was in the ship. Even as he was is just simply saying this. He was exhausted. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I can never read this story without experiencing four feelings. I'll tell you what they are after we pray. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. Help us to focus in now. Remove all distractions. Quiet minds and thoughts and bodies. Lord, bring souls to you. I cannot help but believe that there is at least one in here who needs to be saved. Lord, let them leave here with you, or they will leave here certainly without excuse if you give me the power to preach your word boldly and clearly. Help it to come across in a way that can be understood by the youngest to the oldest, from the most mature Christian to the newest Christian here. Let it be understood and let it change lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The first feeling that I experience when I read this, anyone want to guess? You're not going to get it. Seasick. I feel seasick. I use my imagination. Now, I am a city boy. I do not belong in certain places. I do not belong in a hunting blind. I will eat whatever you kill. I just, I just, and I'll cheer you on as you hunt, but it's just not, it's just not for me. It's really not. I certainly do not belong in a boat in the middle of a huge body of water. I will tell you why I know this, because I tried it once, once. I don't mind fishing. I think it's a little pointless, to be honest. Sit up, son, sit up. I think it's a little pointless. To me, fishing, when you go and you catch a fish and you reel it in and you take a picture with it and you let it go, yeah. is like driving through Chicago and finding a parking spot, pulling into the parking spot, talking about how great the parking spot is, pulling out and trying to find a better parking spot. Yeah. Makes no sense to me. Yep. But one day, somebody convinced me to go on a deep sea fishing trip. We woke up in an ungodly hour. The only people who are up at that time are milkmen and snipers. <laughs> and fools who are going to go out deep sea fishing. And it was going to be an eight-hour fishing trip, an eight-hour tour. <laughs> and I think it started at 6 in the morning. So follow chronologically with me, okay? Two hours out, four hours fishing, two hours back. But what they tell me is it's a little windy today. It's a little choppy. So it's going to take a little bit longer to get out there. Okay, cool. You know, whatever. I did not want to go on this trip, but the person paid for me. The person paid for me. 
So we're sitting there, I'm sitting there next to this guy and we go out, it takes three hours to get out. Not two, three. Three hours, 60 minutes, 60 seconds each minute. It's a long time for a city boy to be on a boat with a bunch of fishermen and they're, you know, talking and they got their, they got their sea legs and everything and they're walking around and I'm, it's just up and down and up and down and up and down. Oh, look at the horizon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, that helps. Six in the morning, three hours out. What time is it? Very good. We get out there, we see the oil rig where we're going to be fishing. They said, there, there it is, there it is. We're going to fish there. It's going to be wonderful. You get to keep whatever you catch. And, ah. and I'm, si I'm sitting with a man. I got I to gotta keep my manhood here, you know? So I'm just trying to, trying to keep it together, right? And as soon as we get there, a lady next to me, I don't, I don't feel so, I don't feel so good. And, and the fishermen are all joking, like, if you feel sick, just go over the side and shoot for distance. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, ah. And he's like, I don't feel so, I'm like, can you feel not so good over there and not here? And the lady falls down and starts convulsing, has, has a seizure. So I'm holding her head. <laughs> the captain comes out, and he's like, we've got to go back. This is a medical emergency. We've got to go back. I'm like, yes, yes, we do. We need to go back. Absolutely no way we can stay out here. Back, back, as soon as possible. Back. <laughs> Two hours back. What time is it now? 11. OK? And I'm looking at the guy next to me. I'm like, it's all right, bro. It's all right. I'll pay you back, you know, or they'll, they'll refund us. I'm sure they'll refund us. <coughs> we just want to let you know that only one person is allowed off the ship when we get back to shore. The person with the medical emergency and anybody who is their family, anybody else who gets off the boat will not be refunded their money. Have a nice day. <coughs> <laughs> and bro, how much did you pay for this trip? $100. I will give you $300. <laughs> But can we get off? We will go. I'll buy you whatever fish you want. We'll go to Walmart. They have the little aquarium there. Well, I, I will buy you whatever you want. Just get me off this thing. I wanted to say that, but I didn't. And, he, and, and the, the fishermen say this. Don't you guys worry. Don't you worry. We're going to give you your money's worth. We're going to drop off the person. We're going to go right back out. And we're going to stay there the full four hours. <laughs> what time is it now? It's 11. Three hours back. What time is it now? Four hours. Four hours out there. Up and down. And it's a big boat. It's a big boat. And my mind, see, just, just I, I, I think. And my mind is, it's a long way down. I do not belong out here. This is a huge boat, and it's, and it's being like a cork, like a story up and a story down and a story up. And just, oh, look at the horizon. I'm looking at the horizon. Here's this huge oil refinery, and it's not moving. It's, 
And um, I couldn't hold it in anymore. <laughs> For two of the four hours, I was in the center of the ship in the fetal position. No, no. Just trying, just obsessing over the weight of life's problems. I came out, I fished a little bit, and you know, they let it all the way down, you'll hear it hit the bottom, you'll feel it hit the bottom, not here, you'll feel it hit the bottom, and then you crank it up about 10 and you just leave it there, and then you'll hear, you'll, you'll hear, you'll feel a hit. And the first one that I did, the first one that I did, I feel a hit, boom! Okay, this is kind of cool. I'm bringing it up. I feel another hit. I bring up half a fish. <laughs> And some of y'all think that's fun. Some of y'all think that's fun. Four hours out there, what time is it now? Six o'clock, six o'clock. Two hours all the way back, eight. And now we've got to wait for them to divvy out the fish. And if you pay a little extra, they'll gut the fish and clean it for you. And the person is, oh yeah, let's do that. It was 10.30. <laughs> before we left, and, here, and we get in the car, and here's what he says, next time will be much better. I said, sir, next time will never happen. <laughs> so when I hear, I, I, I literally feel for these men when I read this, a great storm of wind up and down, it takes me right back to it and just, ugh. that's what they're going through. Here's the second thing. Here's the second feeling that I experience when I read this. Confusion. I'm, I am much confused. I am confusion incarnate. Because Jesus tells them, we're going we're gonna to make this little crossing against the Sea of Galilee. I've never been to the Sea of Galilee, but there's, it's small enough. It's, it's large enough to where a storm can come, but it's small enough to where no matter where you are, you can see the other side. And it, we're going to go to the other side. So they get in. These are experienced fishermen. They've been in storms before. They've been on this sea before. But a great storm of wind comes out of nowhere. How do I know it came out of nowhere? Because verse 36 says, there were also with him many other little ships. It was a normal day. It's not like they were getting in the ship and everybody else is thinking, you're morons. It's, there's a storm coming. Nowhere on the forecast came out of nowhere. A great storm of wind arises. They're getting tossed to and fro. Water's coming in the boat. That's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. No bueno. It's not supposed to happen. Boat is supposed to keep water out. Not water in boat. Water out boat. But water in boat. And so they get afraid. They get afraid. They get afraid. And Jesus asks this. Why are you afraid? Why, why am I afraid? Why are we afraid? We're in the middle well, we're in a, Lord, we're in a boat that's being filled with water. Water in boat. Water not supposed to be in boat. Water out boat, but water in boat. And you are asking why we are afraid. But you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? There are clear, there are clear things. It's a bad word. There are clear things in the passage that show why they shouldn't have been afraid. 
clear things. So the third thing that I feel, the third experience that I have, I feel shame. I feel shame because you know what? I would have done a lot worse. I would have, I would have done exact the same if not worse as these, as these disciples. How do I know that? Because I've been in storms. I've been in storms before, much less than this, where my life was not on the line. And I have said what they said. God, wake up. God, wake up. Do you not care about what I'm going through? But then I also find encouragement. So four things. I feel seasickness. Once I get over that, and then I have my confusion. Why is the Lord asking them why they're afraid? Then I feel shame because there's clear elements in the, in the Bible of why they shouldn't have been afraid. But then I feel encouragement because the same reasons why they didn't need to fear in their storm are the same reasons why I don't need to fear in mine. And you don't, you don't need to fear in yours. And my argument, because my argument is this. A storm can be made up of a lot more than wind and rain and lightning and thunder. What is a storm? What is a storm if not something that is bigger than you? Would you agree? Something that is bigger than you? Something you don't have control over? Something that you are caught in the middle of? Something that makes you feel it could end you? Is that not a storm? Certainly it is. Something that is intense and severe? Something that surrounds you? Could you not be in a financial storm? Oh, certainly. Inflation? Could that not cause a financial storm for you? Medical bills cannot not cause a financial storm for you. Student loans can that not cause a financial storm for you. Layoffs at work could that not cause a financial storm for you. Repairs that come out of nowhere can that not cause a financial storm. Something that's bigger than you, something that surrounds you, something that you have no control over, something that's intense and severe. Can you not face medical storms? Where one diagnosis turns, one diagnosis is bigger and intense and severe and surrounds you and you have no control over it. Can that not be a storm? Can we not, do we not find ourselves in national storms? Something that's bigger, that surrounds, that we have no control over. You realize how many madmen right now have access to a button? And you know what people are asking? Should I be afraid? Should I be afraid? Well, wait a second. It depends. It depends. You go through family storms, division and strife. Some of you in here are just taking these steps of faith and your family hates it. Your family and your friends hate it and they're giving you trouble about it. Should you be afraid? It depends. Some of you are in custody battles right now. Should you be afraid? It depends. Some of you have gone through child-rearing storms where your child reaches an age where they start believing that they know more than you. And it's difficult. It's difficult. If you could make their decisions for them, you would do it, but you can't do that. Emotional storms. I would be 
I would be confident to say easily over half of the people would raise their hand if I asked you how many of you deal with anxiety and depression. I would say half of you, if not more, would raise your hand. An emotional storm. You go through a breakup. It's an emotional storm. Go through a betrayal, you go hurt and broken trust. And you ask, should I not be afraid? Should I not be afraid of some, this thing that's bigger than me? Should I not be afraid of this thing that I'm caught in the middle of? Should I not be afraid of this thing that I have no control over? Should I not be afraid of this thing that's so intense and severe that I believe could end me? Should I not be afraid? It depends. You ask me, should I be afraid of the storm that I am in? I have questions for you. And your answer to my questions will determine whether or not you should be afraid. So you ask me, should I be afraid? Here's my first question for you. Who's in the boat with you? Oh, that's a really good question. That's why I asked it. Who's in the boat with you? Can I be more specific? Is Jesus in the boat with you? Can I be more specific? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you born again? Is Jesus in the boat with you? And you know how many people I run into and their answer is, I'm not sure. You're not, you're not sure. You're not sure? You're not sure? We're talking about eternity. You're not sure? If I find somebody, they've got a ball cap and a jersey and a little, you know, foam finger and everything. And I ask them, where are you going? Oh, I hope I'm going to the game. What do you mean you hope you're going to the game? Well, I don't have, do you have a ticket? I'm not sure. I guess I found, I'll find out when I get there. Bro, nobody's dumb enough to pack up and go to a game without a ticket. And people are foolish enough to think they're going to heaven. Without the ticket? I'm not sure. You better make sure. You better make sure because I'm telling you this. If Jesus is in the boat, it goes a long way to dispelling your fear. A long way. Why are ye so fearful? How can you ask that? Don't ask how can he ask that. Ask who is asking it. Is Jesus in the boat with you? Are you God's child? Well, we're all God's children. You got that from a Christmas song. You didn't get that from the Bible. Santa knows that we're God's children. That makes everything right. You know what I should say? Santa knows that we're God's children too, but he's totally wrong. John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus is talking to some very religious people, and he says, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. We are not all God's children. You are God's children when you trust in him. You are God's children when you are saved, when you are born again. When you believe. So, who's in the boat with you? Oh, pastor, don't worry about me. I'm a Baptist. Well, congratulations. Oh, don't worry about me. I'm a member at Heritage Baptist Church of Corpus Christi. You know what bothers me when people say, the Heritage Baptist Church. The Heritage Okay, so let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. 
You are in your storm, your financial, your medical, your family, your national, your emotional storm, and you look over in the boat and you see me and you find comfort? That is like being on a sinking ship, running to the bridge, and finding out that the captain is Daffy Duck. <laughs> Full speed ahead, boys! What, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't have any more control over the storm than you do. Who's in the boat with you? My pastor. You should be afraid. Oh, I'm a Catholic. The Pope is in the boat with me. You should be afraid. My priest is in the boat with me. You should be afraid. I'm a Muslim. My prophet is in the boat with me. You should be afraid. Who's in the boat with you? Oh, well, well, I'm a good person. So you're alone in the boat. You should be afraid. Look, I face storms like you do. I face family and emotional and all those different storms just like you do. But I'm God's child. I'm God's child. I'm not saying I'm never afraid. I'm not saying I'm never afraid. But I'm God's child. When I remember I'm God's child, when I remember that Jesus is in the boat with me, it goes a long way to dispelling the fear. Should I be afraid? It depends who's in the boat with you. And if Jesus is in the boat with you, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? If Jesus is in the boat with you. What's the worst that the storm can do? can kill you. There's a, story, there's a story about John R. Rice. And he's about to walk up to a tent revival and preach. And somebody meets him behind the tent with a gun. And says, sir, I'm going to kill you. And he kept on walking. And he said, you're trying to scare me with heaven? What's the worst that the storm can do to you? It can kill you. You'll be with Jesus. You'll be with Jesus. Who's in the boat with you? Are you saved? Are you saved? I'm not sure. You better make sure. You better make sure. Should I be afraid? Well, if Jesus is in the boat with you, that'll go a long way. Here's question number two. Did he tell you to get in the boat? Let me ask this. Are you in God's will? Let me ask it this way. Why are you in the storm? Because of your obedience or because of your disobedience? Because here, here, Jesus said, let us, let us go over to the other side. He told them they were in the storm because they obeyed. So Jesus says, why, why are you afraid? You are right where I told you to be. Now there's another guy who gets in a boat because of disobedience. His name's Jonah. Didn't go so well. Didn't go so well. Jonah, in a boat, in a storm, be afraid. Disciples, in a boat, in a storm, why are you so fearful? What's the difference? One got in the storm because of disobedience, and one got in because of obedience. And Jesus says, why are you so fearful? You are right where I told you to be. And do you realize there is nowhere safer for you to be than right where God wants you to be? They were safer in the boat, in the storm, than on the shore, out of the storm, in their snuggie with hot cocoa. 
They were safer in there. If obedience to God's will leads you to a storm, let the storm come. So, Pastor, I'm in a financial storm. I'm facing bills that I can't pay. I'm facing repairs that I can't make. I'm, I'm, I'm right in... Okay, all right, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Why are you running out of money? Is it because you're putting God first and you're tithing? Is it because you're giving above and beyond and that has lead, led to financial hardships? Has your obedience led to a financial storm? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And how can you say that? Because I've been there, church. I am not telling you anything that I have not done. I have not. You know how many times when we first got married and I was making $10 an hour and she was making $10 an hour and, and we had more months than money and we had an opportunity to either pay bills or pay our tithe. And we paid our tithe first because Matthew chapter six teaches this. You make God your priority, he will make you his responsibility. You make God your priority, he will make you his responsibility. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If obeying God leads to financial struggle, don't be afraid. But if you're robbing God, if you're doing your own way, if you're being a, a bad steward of his money and it leads you to financial hardship, be afraid. That's what Haggai told his people. You sow much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You clothe, but there is none of you warm. You drink, but none of you are satisfied with drink. You know why? Because you're focusing all on yourselves and you're letting God's house lie waste. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house of God and God will take pleasure in it. And then what will happen when you, when, when you sow much? You will bring in much. And when you wear clothes, they'll keep you warm. And when you eat, you'll be satisfied. And when you drink, you'll be satisfied. But do not expect God to watch his child not put him first and him to be indifferent about it. What led you to the financial storm? Obedience or disobedience? If it's obedience, don't be afraid. If it's disobedience, be afraid. What led you to your anxiety and depression and your emotional struggles? What led you to your family strife and division? Is your family divided right now because you are trying to stand for right and you are trying to, and you're not shoving it down their throat. You're not separating because you're better than them, but because you're vulnerable and you're trying to do what's right and you're trying to change your life. Is that what has brought strife and division? Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Jesus said, whosoever loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy to be my disciple. But you put me first and I'll take care of you. But if your family strife and division is coming because you're making dumb decisions and you're sinning and you're filling your house with the devil's junk and that's what's bringing the strife and division, be afraid. You ask me, should I be afraid? It depends. It depends. Who's in the boat with you and did he tell you to get in the boat? And if he told you to get in the boat and you are obeying and it leads to an emotional storm or a medical storm or a family storm or a financial storm, whatever storm you're facing, if obedience led you to it, why are you afraid? You are right where God wants you to be. Now, if disobedience led you to it, what do you do? <laughs> the great thing is Jesus has control and authority and power over disobedient storms just as much as he has over obedient storms. You turn to him, you say, Lord, I made my bed and I've messed up and I need your help. 
and you start obeying. You know, the storm stopped once God got Jonah's attention. Should I be afraid? Who's in the boat with you? Are you saved? Maybe you say yes. Wonderful. Did he tell you to get in the boat? Are you in obedience? Yes. Okay, question number three. What did he tell you when you got in the boat? What did he tell you when you got in the boat? Because here's what he told them. Let us pass over to the other side. Is it making more sense now why Jesus is asking that question? The confusion is melting away. Why are you so fearful? I'm in the boat with you. You're right where I told you to be, and I told you we're going over, not under. Why are you afraid? So, if your obedience has led to a financial storm, what did he tell you when you got in that boat? Here's what my Bible teaches you. Prove me now herewith. If you put me first and you tithe and you give, that I will not open up the windows of heaven for you so that there is not room enough to receive it. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel where you give 100 and he'll give 400 back. Junk, 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 junk. He's talking about I will, I will give you the grace. I will give you the grace. We're, we, we are wanting, when we give, we are wanting God to give us a million dollars. What if God says, no, 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 I'll give you the grace to live on 100? Is that good enough? I'd rather have $100 with God's grace to, to spend it than a million dollars without God's grace. If your obedience has led you to a financial storm, remember, he said, I have been young and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Never. If it led you to a medical storm and your diagnosis is terminal, what did he tell you when you got in the boat? He said this, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. He told you this isn't, this isn't it. This isn't it. He says to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. If it led you to a national, okay, this national storm that we find ourselves in with the government and the agenda and, and all of this stuff that we're, that's bigger than us, that's surrounding us, that we don't know what to do, that we have no control over. God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Is that enough for you? Is that enough for you? It wasn't enough for them when he said, let's pass over to the other side. They forgot it. They forgot it. They forgot it. And their fear came from their forgetfulness of God's word. And a lot of people forget, <laughs> well, everything that's going on in the world. You forgot Jesus. I will never leave you or forsake you. You forgot, the Bible says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turneth it whithersoever he will. The powers that be are set by the Lord. Biden did not get in because he stole the election. Biden got in because God let him get in. So why are you afraid? If you face an emotional storm, he says this, cast all your care upon me, I care for you. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on me. So why are, you, why are you so afraid? Now, if you're not God's child, no promises in God's word apply. 
if you're not God's child. I walked into HEB and I had my kids and I, I took all three of my kids and I said, kids, at the end of this shopping trip, I'm going to buy each of you a treat. I'm going to buy each of you a candy bar. Yay! And we go through. And then at the end, they come up to me. Are you going to keep your promise? Yeah, of course I'm going to keep my promise. Go get a candy bar. And then there's a line of other kids. You promised. You promised a candy bar. What am I going to say? Bro, I promised my kids that. Get out of here. Get out of here. I was talking to my children when I promised that. And you have a bunch of people who are lining up at God's counter. Hey, you promised. You promised. Who are you? Who are you? I was talking to my children when I promised that. If you are not God's child, no promises apply. If you are not in God's will, no promises apply. Not because God broke his promise, but you broke the hedge. You broke the hedge. You disobeyed. You got out. No promises apply. But if your answer is, he is in the boat with me, I am saved. He told me to get in the boat. I am in obedience. He promised me in my obedience that he would take care of me. Here's question number four. Should I be afraid? Well, does he seem worried? It depends. Does he seem worried? Look at him. Does he seem surprised? Disciples, does he seem worried? Where is he? He's in the hinder part of the ship, sleeping. No, actually, he seems quite calm. Seems like it's not bothering him at all. Then why are you afraid? Oh, it makes so much sense now. But when we're in the storm, uh, 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 uh. but here, here's our problem. Here's our problem. We picture God up in heaven on his throne. With angels coming up. God, are you okay? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Inflation is just so bad right now. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. And Biden is in office, and he could kick the bucket at any time, and then Kamala will be in. And Disney has so much money, and they're pushing this agenda with the kids, and I don't know what to do with that. And then... Putin and Xi Jinping and Kim Jong-un and, and Gavin Newsom. And I just don't. It'll be okay, God. It'll be okay, God. It'll be okay. You're the king of the universe. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. You got this. You got this. You got this. Who do we think God is? That's how we're acting. That's how we're acting. What's going to happen? What am I going to do? How am I going to raise my kids with this agenda going on? God has obviously placed you at such a time as this because he trusted you and he will empower you in order to raise your kids in this depraved society. I'm, worried. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about my kids. God obviously trusts our kids more than he trusts us because he put their generation to grow up at this time to fight that battle. Should I be concerned? Should I be afraid? It depends. Is God still in control? Or is he freaking out? Is God still in control? At, at any time, can he stand up and say, enough? At any time, can he stand up and say, peace be still? At any time, can he grab Joe and say, okay, out? Out. 
and, and out and, and out. At any, at any time, can he drain the swamp? At any time, can he take Putin and say, okay, done with you, and done with you, and done with you? At any time, could he do that? Is God still in control? Yes. Then why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Are you saved? You say yes, hopefully. Are you in God's will? You say yes. Did he not promise to take care of you as long as you are in his will? Does he seem surprised? Does he seem afraid? Does he seem shaken? Can he be trusted? Can he be trusted? Can you trust the one who's never lied? Can you? Can you find it in yourself to trust the one who's never lied? Can you find it in yourself to trust the one who said to a nation that was in the depths of slavery, I'm going to free you from this and you're not going to have to lift a finger. And he did it. Oh, and by the way, they're going to give you gold and silver and jewels just to get you out, just to get you out. And he did it. Do you trust the one who, when there was a Red Sea in front of them, mountains on either side, and the Egyptian army behind them, do you trust the one? Can you trust the one who said, you're never going to see any one of these soldiers again from here on out? And he did it. He drowned them all. Can you trust that one? Can you trust the one who said from the Garden of Eden, I'm sending somebody. I'm going to send somebody who's going to take care of all of this mess. Can you trust the one who left heaven and came down and lived a sinless life? Can you trust the one who made blind eyes see and lame people walk and who had the power to go to dead people and say, no dead anymore? And they just got up. And they just got up. Can you trust the one who was powerful enough to say, Lazarus, come forth? And it's a good thing he said Lazarus, because if he just would have said, come forth, every single person who was dead would have came forth. Can you not trust the one who is powerful enough and loving enough to die on the cross, be buried, and rise again? Can you not trust him? Can you not trust him who said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again? Can you not trust the one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you? Can you trust the one who said, my thoughts toward you are more in number? Have you ever been to the National Seashore? There's a lot of sand there. There's a lot of sand just there. Would you consider me a good husband if I could prove to you by evidence that I thought of my wife more than the numbers at the sand just at the National Seashore? Would you think I was a good husband? How about this? Would you think I was a good husband, Miss Angie, if I could prove to you, if you could come into my mind and I could prove to you that I thought about my wife once a minute, would I be a good husband? You know, that's not very much when compared to the number of the sand. And God said, I, my thoughts toward you personally are more in number than the sand. You think you're in the middle of a storm that he doesn't know about? Can you trust the one? Can you trust the one who saved you and who directed you and who promised you and who's in control of everything that happens to you? Can you trust him? In your storm. Yes. 
then why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? I told you I want to grab some of you and shake you because you're freaking out about all this stuff. And okay, wait a second, wait a second. Let's find out if you should be afraid. Okay? Are you saved? Yes. Are you in God's will? Yes. Are there promises in God's word? Yes. Has he ever broken a promise? No. Does he seem afraid? Is he still in control? Yes, he is. But I'm still freaking out. <laughs> What happened to you that you have no faith? How has God failed you? In what way did God fail you where you have no faith? Now, if your answer is I'm not saved, I'm out of God's will, no promises apply to me, I'm in the middle of a storm with nobody in the boat but myself and my pastor or my priest or my pope or my prophet. Be afraid. And what do you do? It's a good thing he knows how to walk on water and stay above the storm to get exactly to where you are. And you turn to him and say, Lord, would you please Get in the boat with me. Would you please get in the boat with me? And he says this, anyone, anyone, anyone who calls upon me, I will get in the boat. Anyone who asks me to, I will turn none aside, none. And then you get in the boat, and then what? And then he starts directing you. Okay, you're, you're not in a good spot right now. So here's what you need to do. Let me take the wheel and let me turn it here and let me turn it here and let me turn it here and get to where it belongs so that God's promises can apply to you. And then what he's going to do is he's going to go and have a, have a little nap because there's nothing to be afraid of when you are his child and where you, when you are right where he told you to be and where all of his promises can protect you because he's never lied. Make sense? Should I be afraid? It depends. It depends on your answers. It depends on your answers. Can he be trusted? Has he ever broken a promise? Does he seem afraid? Did he tell you to get in the boat? Are you in obedience? And are you his child? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.